Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode three of our new podcast on additive manufacturing. Our podcast today is sponsored by the thought leadership team here at Siemens. And my name is Ashley Eckhoff. I'm a member of the AM software team at Siemens. Today, we're talking with a couple of our friends, Tad Steinberg and Trevor Ilston from Material Solutions. For those who don't yet know the good folks at Material Solutions, they are a print service shop. And back in 2016, Siemens acquired a majority stake in Material Solutions expressly because of their expertise in printing complex metal parts with exceptional quality. Now, Trevor is the chief technical officer for Material Solutions and was he was one of the founding members of the company back in 2006. And his aim was taking what was then a new technology, metal AM technology, out of the lab and into serial production. He has a background in materials engineering and has been working with layer-based manufacturing for over 25 years since the early days way back with rapid prototyping. Now, he's been developing and applying the technology to a range of industry sectors, including industrial gas, turbines, aerospace, and automotive. And uh, you'll often find Tad Steinberg hanging out at our Siemens booth at uh, various different events, if we ever have those again. But Tad's the manager of Siemens Energy's Additive Manufacturing Business Development, Marketing, and Sales. So his areas of responsibility include creating solutions for customers, training, identification and application of engineering requirements, and communication of the realities of AM to the marketplace. So with the recent opening of the Siemens Additive Manufacturing Application Center, the what we call the AMAC in Orlando, Tad leads business development activities for the Americas. So welcome, Tad and Trevor. Let's get this train rolling. Maybe we can start by you guys describing to us what you print and who you print it for. Sure. I'll take a stab at the high level. And then, Trevor, if you want to go into a little bit more of the detail. Yeah. So our target industry is aerospace and defense. That doesn't mean we don't do other things, such as motorsports, oil and gas, energy, those kinds of areas as well. We really focus on those and Additive can be in such a large venue that you've got to pick something. And it's really an armchair from what we do with our gas turbines. A large part of what we do is supplying parts into industrial gas turbines as well, the Siemens side of our business. But we can use that to build on supplying other industries as well, because there's commonality between the materials and the types of geometries between industrial gas turbines and aerospace gas turbine applications as well. So we talk and partner with quite a few service bureaus. So I assume that like the others, you guys have customers that hand you a part model and you guys print those parts. Do you have services as well? Do you help customers tweak their designs for AM and such? Yeah, we have a broad range of services, offerings in that sense. So uh, one end of the scale, it's kind of make to print. So we're supplied with a model and a drawing and asked to print it and meet the specifications. On the other end of the scale, we're taking the customers through the full journey of learning about additive manufacturing, what works for the process, what doesn't work for the process, how to design the part to suit the process and get the most for their application and taking it all the way through to the printing. But we offer services all the way along that from kind of consultancy to design and engineering services all the way through to the printing. Okay, so sort of full service from just printing all the way up to design help and maybe even some additive education. There are quite a few options out there for printing parts. What makes the printing you guys do unique? What puts you above all these other companies who are printing parts as well? I suppose it all comes down to the application areas that we're targeting. So it's very high performance and demanding application areas. And that really does require very high performance materials to be used with 
the best quality that is achievable through this process. That's kind of been the starting driver for developing the offering that we have at Material Solutions. But that's been backed up by the, the quality standards. You know, one of our first customer markets was aerospace. So we built the company around meeting aerospace level quality requirements. And that's given us a, a fairly unique position in the market in terms of our offering. Yeah, you mentioned motorsports. That's an area that's always frustrating for me because I'm a real Formula One fan and I know those teams use 3D printing in their cars. So I'm always dying to see Formula One parts, but I never get to see them because they're all, you know, secret sauce. Nonetheless, the fact that motorsports companies are printing parts for their cars is awesome. Absolutely. Unfortunately, all the interesting stuff is very difficult to show. Yeah, it's great that motorsports teams are using additive because motorsports is... It's one of those areas that's a bit of a test bed for new technologies in the automotive industry. And so far in this podcast series, we've been talking quite a bit about innovation and how Additive promotes that. You know, that fits right in. You guys probably get to see a lot of interesting designs come across your desks. Are there any really innovative ways you've seen your customers using Additive? Can you talk maybe about some of the unique characteristics you've seen on the parts you're printing? There's been many ways that people have been innovating with their parts. Um, I suppose one of the ones that we see most for gas turbine and engine use is the way that they're using advanced cooling in their components. So it's very complex, novel cooling designs, which are now being optimized that you could not make conventionally that can improve the performance of the components considerably in terms of emissions or efficiency of the engines. So that really have opened up the opportunities to push the performance boundary of the components by using additive. How about assembly consolidation or lightweighting? Are those things that you guys are seeing from the customers you deal with? Absolutely, absolutely. Reduction in weight is obviously very important for aerospace applications. So there's been huge, huge changes in how people are comfortable with designing parts for AM. Previously, they would look very similar to something that was machined, and now the parts are looking very different, optimized very much for weight reduction. And also, everybody can see the big benefits of integrating multiple parts together and consolidating them, taking out all of the interfaces and significantly simplifying the manufacturing supply chain, as well as reducing the weight of the part through consolidation. Yeah, I think what we've seen is that a lot of times the assembly consolidation happens because of the design complexity that additive allows, right? So when you're machining a part, you have to have pretty simple geometry because you have to have access for the machine tools and things like that. But when you can, you know, you can place a little bit of material in a specific spot in 3D space, that kind of frees you up to make really complex parts. And that's what I think is also kind of enabling the assembly consolidation that we're seeing in our customers. Yeah, very much so. A bit earlier, I believe you mentioned the process and certifications. I don't know a whole lot personally about this, but it's my understanding that aerospace, medical, and and maybe a few other industries have very stringent requirements for really high quality parts, tight tolerances, low failure rates. And from what I understand, there's kind of a pretty arduous certification process that those industries have their suppliers go through. I assume that Material Solutions handles that sort of thing. I also assume you have some sort of process certifications or traceability or reporting that your customers get when they order a part from you, correct? It obviously depends on what the customer requires and the standards that we're working to. But when we deliver a part, there's usually a pack of information which captures all of the process certificates and the manufacturer of the part, be it from the additive side of it, the heat treatment, non-destructive testing, inspection, etc., 
and it allows us to provide full traceability to the parts we deliver so we can trace it back to the machine used or to the specific batch of powder and what recycle number that powder has been through. With these sort of industries, the provenance of the parts, the paperwork to go with it is almost as important as the part themselves. I think I've heard that echoed before where people say that, you know, for these industries that are really specific about part quality and and things like that, that the certificates are really important. And without that, the part's kind of worthless. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to add something to that as well. The other half of that is part traceability that goes back to not only the part and material, but the process, the printer serial number, all of the things that go into making up the part from a materials perspective, all has to be considered for repeatability. And that's a pretty difficult process to track, I would assume. I mean, I'm sure you guys have gone through a whole learning process of figuring out how to make that something that you can assure your customers of, right? Yes, it's something that we've been working on over the years to get to a point where we can confidently trace back every single part that we're delivering. So we have our MRP system, which controls the manufacturing of the components and everything all the, the materials that are used and the full routing for the manufacturer of the components is tracked and traced within that MRP system. Circling back around to the customers you guys work with, when you talk to your customers, what are the reasons they're giving you for their interest in additive? Is it that they need to innovate? Is it because of certain characteristics that additive gives their parts that they maybe don't get with other manufacturing types? I mean, what are you guys hearing as far as why the companies you work with are adopting additive these days? I've seen a lot being in the business development side, and it really depends on their journey. And what I've come to find is, depending on the customer, I ask them where they're at in their journey in not so many different ways. And really that shapes my understanding of where they're at from an additive perspective. I've got customers say, we need to get into additive because Management says you have to go print something because we're falling behind the curve. There's usually a kind of a rude awakening from that perspective. Other customers will be, we are tired of our supply chain. We need an alternative. Or another customer might be, we're at a performance impasse. We're at a plateau. Traditional manufacturing can give us no more. We want to explore. We're finding a lot of different reasons as to why. Most of the time when people come in and say, We need price improvement on our per part cost quantity. And usually, not always, but usually the answer is not additive. It's some other method or mode to be able to reduce costs, increase throughput, whatever that might be. Are you guys finding that you have to educate customers about the possibilities of additive or are people kind of aware of what's possible these days? Kind of as I said before, depending on their journey. And what is really, really neat to see is when you are talking with a new customer, a new potential customer, and you bring up the particular part or particular issue that they're having, maybe it's some tooling, and you can very confidently say, we can solve that problem with additive by this mean. And when you see their eyes light up and you see the wheels start turning, synapses are starting to fire and they're really thinking, oh, if it can do this, it can do this, 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 and this. And it's gonna not only increase or improve, it's going to better the entire process or whatever that might be. So yes, there's a lot of educating, but again, it depends on where they're at in their journey. Some people just need 
oh, you can't do X or you can do Y or it comes down to orientation, things that you don't have to think about or you have to think about. And it's not a traditional approach. Trevor, do you have uh, insights? I'd agree with that. I think uh, generally the level of education that we're having to start from with customers is improved massively. So there is a, a lot better understanding about the technology outside generally now than there was in the early days of additive manufacturing. So um, it's more about the details of the process than the generic potential for the process that you're discussing with the customers usually. Well, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about the additive journey because those are the exact words we always use when we talk to our customers, you know, where are they in their in their journey? And and like you, it seems like on the software side, we try to get to this point with our customers where you can almost visibly see the light bulb go on above their head, right? Where you can mm-hmm. you can see that okay, they get it now. They understand what we've been talking about and they're they're excited about the possibilities and I think like you guys, we're seeing the same thing. It used to be that we had to do a lot of talking and a lot of convincing to get to that point. But these days, it seems like people are coming to the table with more knowledge already and we can we can get much deeper into the conversation faster, which is nice. Talking about changes over the time we've all been an additive, what have you guys seen changing in the industry over the past few years? And has anything really uh, surprised you? Anything you didn't expect? I suppose in the very early days, what we were seeing was a reluctance for anybody to change their design to suit the process because there was scepticism about the ability of the process to meet their requirements. So I think one of the things that surprised me most is once you've got people to understand what the technology can do, is how willing they are to change their designs. And they've really grasped the design aspect of it with both hands to make the most of it. So that, that's one of the things I find most surprising and actually very good because that's where you get the benefit from the technology. Ah, now, now that's interesting because I think that's a point that I'd like to explore a little bit. So how do you guys feel about design for AM or what normally in the industry is called DFAM? Because it seems to me that if you're really going to bring the most out of the additive process, there's the manufacturing side of things where, you know, the hardware companies are working really hard to make their machines as efficient as possible. But if you're going to print parts that function as they should and have the quality they need, it seems to me like there's a lot that has to be done on the front end, on the design side, to make a design really work for additive. Are you guys finding that your customers are pretty aware of what needs to be done on the design side? Or are you guys still holding a lot of hands and and helping them through the the DFAM process? I think we see quite a range. So we have some customers that are very sophisticated in their design and how to apply it to additive manufacturing and others that are the beginning of that journey. But I suppose one of the things that we are adding to that is it's not just about design for the final use, it's designed for the manufacturing process as well. So there's things Mm -hmm. that you need to put into the design to simplify the manufacturing and make it cost effective as well as meeting the performance targets for the final product. So that's something else that we uh, try and educate our customers on. Yeah, it seems to me that that's always been true, but we kind of forgot about it, right? I mean, if you're making an injection molded part, you have to have drafts so you can extract it from the mold and all that sort of thing, right? That's a a design element that's required for the manufacturing. But those things got so commonplace that we all kind of forgot about them until additive came around. And then it's like, oh, we have to learn a whole new set of, you know, interesting design tweaks to fit this new process and get the most out of it. There is design rules. They're just very different from conventional manufacturing design rules. One more observation there is I can see a differentiation between 
internal customers and external customers. So internal to Siemens Energy, the design for additive, I don't want to call it commonplace, but it's more commonplace than I've seen elsewhere with groups or companies that don't have a key understanding or a vested go-forward plan with, with additive in mind. So it seems that internal to Siemens, Siemens Energy, I mean, we have a group that's just dedicated to do additive design. And so I think the education from that perspective is quite good from a, a snowballing effect in accepting and really grasping a hold of, of what additive has to offer. And I think as you see other groups start to really embrace that, whether it be motorsport or other aerospace companies outside of Siemens, right? I think you're seeing more of that, again, depending on where they're at in their journey. So this is something that I think Siemens has done a really good job of. From what I understand, if you're a if you're a designer coming into Siemens, you're required to take two classes on additive. One is a a basic class, and one's a little bit deeper dive. But this kind of gives you the basis for the additive thinking that you're going to need when you're designing these parts that are eventually going to be printed. I think the other thing that we've done well at Siemens is that we haven't been afraid to invest money in research. You know. Our company is kind of bought into the potential of additive very early on before a lot of other companies. And they basically said, you know, let's pour some money into this. Let's figure it out. Let's make 3D printing really work for us. And let's wrestle all these issues with the process and the designs and things down to the ground. So they they put money on additive. And Siemens has a very nice in-house research group that knows a lot about what it really takes to make additive sing. And I think those are a couple of the things that our company did really early on that helped in fostering additive manufacturing thinking throughout our organization. So you guys, let me think, you've been around since, what, 2006? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We started out in 2006. 2006. And then in like 10 years later, you guys got bought by Siemens and you've expanded since then, I think, right? There's a new facility in the UK and a facility in the US, is that just new capacity? Did you also add new capabilities with those facilities? Um, what was your purpose for expansion? Well, multifold in reality. So we expanded in the UK to create new production capacity for Siemens products. So we needed extra space for that. But we also took the opportunity to add in new capabilities to our operation as well. So we've got machines in to develop offerings in new materials that we hadn't been doing before. So specifically lightweight alloys like aluminium, titanium. And we'd also got in new capabilities in terms of the complete manufacturing chain. So CNC machines and non-destructive testing and inspection, etc. that we needed to expand as well. And Tad, do you want to talk about the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we know that the U.S. is a high-tech manufacturing sector, and we knew that there is the ability to be able to service customers in the U.S. that may be challenging to serve in other parts of the world. That was one of the the main drivers to be able to service U.S. customers, whether it's defense-related or energy-related or Department of Energy, Department of Defense-related. So that's one of the main drivers to be able to do that. And what we've found is, well, first off, we brought a contingent of material solutions to the U.S. We brought over an individual that ran basically printers and, and was part of the material solutions group since 2006, 7, 8 timeframe. And we brought this individual over to run our operations here in the U.S. We have a small core team, two printers with a third printer to be added late this year for dedicated different materials. And what we found is we are 
obviously servicing Department of Energy, Department of Defense, and other internal governmental needs. But we've also found that manufacturing, when done locally, whether it's for internal or external, it oftentimes snowballs into additional work. And we found it really explodes from our internal perspective as well. So as much as we wanted to, to bring in and we did bring in for the Department of Defense, it's actually snowballing both internal and external based on capabilities. So I guess we'll be looking for an expansion in the U.S. here soon as well, right? <laughs> I think it's on our current plan, but it's uh, nothing solid. That's more of a strategic decision going forward. Well, on that forward-thinking note, I think we'll uh, regrettably have to end our discussion today. But I'd like to thank Tad and Trevor from Material Solutions for joining us today. I've really enjoyed this discussion, and I'd like to thank the thought leadership team here at Siemens who sponsors this podcast. If you missed the previous episodes of our podcast, please go back and check those out. If you like what you heard here today, please leave us a comment or subscribe to the podcast. That always makes our day. I'm Ashley Eckhoff. You've been listening to the Siemens Additive Manufacturing Podcast, and I'll see you next time, everybody.